listening to What We Do in Elysium, your source for news, strategy, and discussion for Vampire the Masquerade Rivals card game. Hi, and welcome to episode three. This is going to be our episode on Eventru and Malkavian starter decks. Um, but how are you doing today, Colin? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, enjoying the, the nice warm weather. Summer's here. Um, we have exciting new card news. It's a good. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah. We um, we got the details for the next expansion coming up. We're gonna talk about yeah. a different episode, so we'll go over that. Yeah. How um, are you doing? Good. Yeah, a lot. Enjoying the weather the same. Even though I know it's gonna get hotter, and I don't. I don't usually like when it gets much hotter than this, so eventually <laughs> I'll just I'll be a hermit in my house. Um, <laughs> Matic, but, uh, right? yeah, yeah, the medic. Um, but we've been getting some games in. Uh, we yeah. we played a three person game, uh, and I think you played what you just played in Malkavian. Um, what kind of was that? A full four, one on one? No, it's just a one on one. I yeah, I got to play. I got to play a couple games with uh, with Malkavian. So that was it. Was actually the first time I'd gotten to see them in a game. I didn't end up playing against them in season zero. It was fun. It was fun to see them. I think I'm interested in them a little bit more now after seeing them in action. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people were thinking was going to happen with them, just from an overall faction standpoint. Definitely interesting. Not obviously powerful. Uh, probably needs a couple reps to get used to the deck, and maybe a little bit more support. But I think. I think maybe your mind got set to they might be good as it is. Yeah, and I definitely think in in multiplayer games, uh, I don't know. I don't know for sure if they're going to be good. I, I mean, I don't think we've had enough. You know, we've only played like the one game so far, right? But mm-hmm. I, they're definitely going to be a force at the table. I think with all of those conspiracies, so. Definitely, definitely. And, and with an Arthur three-person game, uh, one of the players had, I think they were mainly Toreador, but they had some Malkavian support, and they definitely put in work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got some pretty good pretty good vampires, too. So I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about them, some of them uh, here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so let's roll into, uh, let's talk about some Ventry stuff, because I think a lot of time is going to be taken by Malkavian, just because they're, they're special. They're, they're going to have more things to talk about. Yep. So, um, Venture, how they play. Uh, what you're probably looking at if you see a, a Venture player across the table from you. Um, they're definitely more of a passive play style, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. They're they're the... I, I don't want to necessarily say defensive, but um, they sort of play their own game. Uh, especially in that, in that core deck. Yes, know. the core deck is all about, like you said, it's not not quite defensive, but they will make you come to them if if your game plan is straight combat or winning through combat effects or anything like that. They will make you come to them, and they will make you spend resources to do that. Yep, um, and and so we also should kind of real quick go over titles as a rule thing because mm-hmm. I know there there are a couple titles in in the first two decks, but. Uh, Ventru is really the one that really relies on them. So before we get into the cards real quick, a refresher on titles. Um, so titles are 
cards you have in your deck, you have to exert influence to play them. So same thing as, as schemes, um, except that nobody gets to fight against you. So when you when you play the title, you exhaust whoever you're you're playing the, the title on. Have to uh, have to have the right the, the enough blood potency to to play that title. Exhaust however much influence it says, uh, and then that title goes on the character. Pretty simple. Not a lot of interaction. Uh, it's just you know you have you have to exert influence as an extra cost basically. Um, and then the other thing about titles, every vampire can only have one. Uh, you cannot like replace a title except if you claim prince. And almost all the titles are unique across the whole table. Um, so like if I play keeper, nobody else can play keeper um, unless my vampire is in torpor. Um, the only exception being primogen, every player can have one primogen. So that's right. that's titles yeah. in a nutshell. Right. And primogen is allowed to do that because it says on the card one per player. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so they're definitely they are very powerful effects, uh, and they kind of have to be. You're you're not only exhausting a character to do it, you're also exerting influence, and it can take a lot of influences. Like uh, Seneschal, that's five influence. Um, so you're mm-hmm. definitely going to have to put some effects together to get to that five influence if it's early in the game. Yep, and so that's you know, again reminder, right? You start with the one influence on your leader, so. Um, how are you going to get all that influence? I think that's that naturally leads us to their agenda and their haven. So you want to you want to read those out? Yeah. So their haven is a royal retreat, the usual one secrecy. Leader ability: characters with a title in your coterie have plus one influence, uh, and then it also has an active ability: discard an unattached city deck mortal in the streets, then add a new card to the streets. So this is actually kind of a Swiss army knife of a haven for them. Uh, The passive ability gives you that plus one influence. So as long as you get two or three titles out on your characters, you're probably going to have three to four influence to exert at any time. And that just keeps building up. The more characters you get with titles, the more influence you have, obviously. And then discarding uh, attached city deck mortal. That is a phenomenal ability for so many different reasons yes 100 percent um so it does two things and they're both really good for this deck um you know yeah your titles it lets your titles kind of kind of snowball build yourself into a little engine um and and discarding mortals you can control what's out there which is real versatile you know if you're playing against toreador which i did (laughs) several times in league zero uh, in season zero, you know, you get rid of all any mortals that come up on your turn. You just get rid of them and, and make it harder for them to, to do their win condition. Or, you know, if you're playing against uh, a Bruja, you might get rid of some sad so that you don't have to take that damage. It's just so versatile and, and pretty strong. Yep. And then the other obvious thing that I think a lot of maybe newer players aren't necessarily using it for, but get to prince faster. If you can flip um if you can flip prince of the city on your turn when you're in a good spot and nobody can try to knock your claimant out on it, being able to not quite demand on demand pull it out but kind of mill for it, I think that's pretty strong. Oh yeah, definitely. You get basically you get twice as many chances, right? 
because I mean in a in a one v one because the other player sees one card and you can see potentially two. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did we did we read the agenda yet? No, go for it. Okay, so uh, the agenda is pretty simple. Ace of power. Uh, when a character in your coterie attaches a title, gain two agenda, and if you reach thirteen, you win. <laughs> Very simple. Now, with the titles that you have in this deck, so you have one, two, three, four, five. That means with your agenda, you can only ever get to ten agenda. Twelve if you get prince, but twelve if you get prince, correct? So but that's <laughs> rare. Yeah, you're, you're getting all of those. You're, you're there. You're there. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed with this deck uh, in the starter version of it is that's definitely something you need to make sure that you're also doing while building up these titles is try to get one or two citizens on the way as you're building up your engine, because even if you fully build up your engine, there's still going to be some leftover that you need to catch up on if you don't see prints. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're looking to get some points while you, where you can. Um, And, you know, whether that's some citizens, whether that's uh, some, uh, attack, you know, attacking, taking out a rival for for a point, or uh, greed, one of their their scheme, which is just should I gain two points? Um, you know, you you have ways of doing it. You just kind of have mm-hmm. to to figure out where those are and what makes sense in your game. Yep, I love greed. That's such a good card. Mm-hmm. I am definitely coming around on schemes. Scheme scheme decks are really fun to play. Yep. Um. All right, but let's go over the start of vampires. Uh, and we'll also mention probably a change you might want to make. So the yep. first one, he is the six blood potency vampire, Randolph Mars. One physical, one social, one mental. Disciplines. Since I'm reading this off of a Word document, I can actually read the disciplines correctly. <laughs> so we have <laughs> Dominate, Fortitude, Presence. Um, and he has a party ability. Discard a title. This attack deals plus one damage to the target. Additional plus one damage if this character is Prince of the City. Now, do you know the special rule involving discarding titles? The special rule meaning it has to be from your hand? It has to be from your hand. So, in the rules, if if an ability does not specifically mention a title attached to a character, it has to be discard a title from hand. It's a little ambiguous when you read it, but... Uh, that is how it works. Right. So basically what he does, he lets you take all those titles you can't play because, you know, you've already got one in play and turn them into extra damage. Mm-hmm. Can be good if you got your engine rolling. Um, it's I think it's kind of win more. Yeah. And uh, maybe there's another build out there that kind of uses him uh, as a more attacking build. But mm-hmm. in terms of the core deck, um I think we're gonna we're gonna we we both agree that the next vampire we're talking about should probably be the one you actually choose as your leader. Yes. So that is Stevie Osborne. Five blood potency, two physical, zero social, one mental, fortitude and presence. Gain one prestige when any character in your coterie attaches a title. Yep. She's pretty super good. good. Yes, yeah, <laughs> super good. 
Uh, just every time you do what your deck normally wants to do, you're going to get, um, with, in, a, in addition to your agenda, you're going to get one money and two victory points. Yep. So she's and... kind of perfect as a starting vampire because you want, if, if you had her in your deck and you were attaching titles without her out, you're leaving that money on the table, essentially. Yep. And, and so in the early game, she's kind of a discount. You know, because if you have to spend that prestige because you don't have all the influence, well, she gets it back. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later on, when you have all the influence, then she just gives you some extra prestige to either protect yourself or, you know, spend on on schemes or or whatever. Um, And she still, you know, she still she got one less health, but she still got three stats. Um, And yeah, I I just I think she's really, really good. (laughs) And I I think moving the stat. Uh, instead of Randolph's one one one, I think having the two in the physical is really good versus decks that might want to go aggro against you as a venture player because that's kind of what they need to do. They need to go fast. Uh, having that two in physical can be really good as a deterrent in the early game. Yep, and and also important to note, your deck in the court in the core deck is kind of weak physically, and so she is the strongest. Um, physical character in that core sense so again you know whereas you have a couple strong social characters if you're you know playing toreador that that could come out and and you know defend or or whatever so again all around i just think she's the best leader um for that deck for sure yep yeah i think that that quickly became the consensus after uh, maybe a round or two yeah um, so next we have the other five coster, uh, five blood potency, Bruno Wagner. Um, he's no physical, two social, one mental, dominate and presence. And his ability is just draw one card when you play an ongoing card. So I, I don't know how you found him. It, to me in the core deck, he's okay. Um, yeah, uh, so you only have six, I say only, but you only have six ongoing cards, and we'll get to one of them, but it is a card that you do not want to pay late in the game, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want it as early as possible, so if you don't draw into it early enough, it's again another kind of case of leaving money on the table. Um, and, and if I remember, I mean, a couple of those... Like really, really, you've got three ongoing cards you really want to play, but like you said early, and the rest of them are eh. Yeah, um, uh, so I'm not, I'm looking at the other one right now. The other one you don't even want to play in one v one, honestly, right. if you don't have to. <laughs> so that that that's a cert authority. It's an unhosted ongoing action, um, and it has your leader has plus one influence for each foe in the game. Well, you only can ever have. Uh, foes are players, so over in 1v1, you can only ever have plus one. Um, unless you keep tossing those out. But I don't know how well it's going to go for you if you do that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think Bruno is really strong, but I think he's going to shine much more in a constructed environment where you can put some more, you know, cards in there um, that, that go play into him. To me, in, in the core... He's okay. I mean, he's okay. He's not bad, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he's 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 okay. Yeah, I think in the core deck, you're he's gonna he's gonna be there to draw your card if possible. Um, but I think he's probably there as he's kind of a beefy blocker, uh, mm-hmm. five health, 
two social, one mental. I yep. mean, that's 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 their own the second character that has two socials. So, you know, he can yeah. put in work. He can put in work that way if he needed to. Yep. Um, so next we have uh, Zhang Wei, who is four BP, uh, no physical, no social, two mental, dominate presence, and a party ability. While this character has a title, when this party defeats a character, the foe loses one prestige. Um, I don't have a lot to say. I'm not sure I've ever played this guy. <laughs> I'm also not sure if I've ever seen this card played. <laughs> um, um, there are a lot of prestige drain decks that have been coming up in constructed you know, deck mm-hmm. discussions. Uh, I don't know if they are played within a title deck right um, yeah again i think avian ish type drain yep. i think he's one of the ones where in constructed i think he might find a home i i and maybe you know maybe something with him and and randolph in a in a more attacking deck there might be mm-hmm. something there but in the core deck he's a body and that's that's pretty much all he, i mean he doesn't really give you any icons you want in the core yeah, he has two mental, so if you're playing against Malkavian, he might be good to defend. But uh, to me, he's he is the the out of this out of the seven, he's the one I would play either last or second to last, only because he's cheaper than Randolph. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I with Randolph and Jang, I think if if we ever get a bunch of very cheaper titles, like ones that only cost two influence a piece or something like that and they they let you have some sort of swarmy go wide deck or something like that then i think they'll have a place mm-hmm. um all right i'll take the two we have our two guards left over the first is umberto garcia uh, three blood potency one physical zero social one mental dominate discipline and is a guard so black range attacks and the other side of that is Nancy Witt, three blood potency, uh, zero physical, two social, zero mental with presence. And that rounds up your yep. seven starter vampires. Uh, well, I think we missed we, we missed one. We, we, missed, we didn't talk about Montgomery. Oh, well, sorry about that. Go ahead. Which is, which is okay, because he's, <laughs> he's my special boy. Um, uh, he, so he doesn't look super flashly, but I'll... I'll Talk about why I like him a lot in a bit. So Montgomery White, four BP, um, one physical, one social, no mental, double uh, fortitude, and party ability. This party has plus one uh, block during ranged attacks. So again, doesn't seem super crazy off the jump, but he plays real nicely with some of your cards that we'll we'll talk about here in a second. Um, yeah. Um, well, we could talk about them now. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think we have any other th- thoughts on these uh, on this group right now. Yeah. So there we go. Great segue. We'll we'll lead into uh, my my personal favorite uh, one of my personal favorite cards in the deck. Not saying it's the best, <laughs> but I think it's it can be very good. It's late night snack. It's an action for every fortitude in your coterie. Mend one blood on a character in your coterie or in torpor. So it gets better for every fortitude. And Montgomery, since he has double fortitude, just mm, all that healing. So good. I love it. 
yeah, that's that's a lot of healing. I think that might be the well. Bruja has the. Uh, I think everyone mend one if you defeat a character. Yeah, and then I mean mercy is four, but but like with with I've, I've that gotten, can't be mem- spread out. Right. Yep. So yeah. Right. That because that's the other thing. Late night snack. You can you can put it all on one person. You can do it on multiple people. You can do it on torpor and in play. It's just oh. Mm. It's huh, ironically yes, enough yeah, delicious. Right. <laughs> it's delicious. Late um, night snack is people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I mean, there's yeah, just and and so that's why again, that's why I like Montgomery so much because he he gives you two fortitude, and then Stevie has one, so that's already three, right there. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah. All right, so let's go. This is my. This is now my favorite card because of having it seen played on someone else. Even though it would have happened to me if it would have been my turn. <laughs> so that's dignity of office. This is a venture specific uh, physical social reaction. It natively has zero block, but that's okay because its card text says plus two block for each character with a title in your coterie. So if you have your group of vampires, all let's say you have three grand, yeah, not grandpires, three <laughs> vampires with a title each, that's six block right there. That's three cards that most cases just say nope to any attack. Yep. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's dead at the very beginning of the game, but yep. uh, once you have a single title, it's a it's a solid defense card, and then once you have two or more, it... <laughs> It can just shut down an attack. You know, I mean, somebody comes in with a Hydra and boost damage and gang up and you're just like, "Mm, how about I just don't take any of that? Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a very good uh, say no type of card. Yep. Uh, Of course, you know, it's only I think it's what ranged and physical. Uh, Physical and social. Physical and social. There we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and the part of the timing of attack abilities uh, is. For the attacker's sake, they can uh, they see the reaction card before they opt to do all their abilities. So luckily, yes. you don't waste too much if you see this card already. But usually, lots of those effects are telegraphed, so the venture player is going to want to just put this down anyway. Yep. Um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's that's one of those very straightforward. Just it's good cards. Yep. Um, so we can talk about the flip side card to that, the attacks that are boosted from titles, which mm-hmm. is, um, okay, lost it. Uh, power play. Yeah, there you go. Which is power play. <laughs> um, plus one damage for each character with a title in this party, and it comes with one base damage. It's a mental attack. So. Again, early on, not super great, but it can it can throw out three or four bonus damage, uh, which is, you know, pretty good. Yeah, and only two characters of the seven here have zero mental. So, yeah, you're going to be able to get that up to a decent amount with almost anybody. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's probably their strong attack card. You kind of want to... I, I don't say you want to save it necessarily, but you want to... Um, you know, use it wisely uh, in terms of taking somebody out because it's it's probably your best chance at getting a big damage play in, right? So, so if you're if you're trying to take somebody out, you want to maybe do them for a couple damage first and then play the power play to try to finish them off. 
Mm -hmm. This is one of those cards that I think, uh, and there's a couple of entry cards that do this, um, but this is one of those cards that will make you learn how to care about how you organize your party. Um, because say you, you know, if you, you're probably going to want to use this card early in your turn, because if you exhaust any characters that have titles, that's one less damage you're going to be leaving out for yourself. Yep. That's a very good point. So yeah, I, I think it, there was definitely something I learned to look out for when we had our game, but it definitely wasn't something I was looking out for much in the season zero league. And I don't think I didn't really see many people talking about that, but I think that's going to be a really crucial skill to learn to do in this game is keeping track of your party um, mm-hmm. when using those abilities. Yep. Sequencing your attacks, who makes sense to attack first and who and second and all that good stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, and then I'll talk about uh, the last, I think, um, really important card to look out for with um, a Ventru mm-hmm. deck. Is, and I'm sure we're going to see this card for a long time. But Long-Term Investment. Uh, this is another Ventru-specific card. It's an uh, regular action ongoing. And pay 1 to 3 Prestige. Add double the amount of Prestige from the general supply to this card. And then ongoing ability at the start of your turn, gain one prestige from this card. When empty, burn the card. Basically just making you money through the whole game. What's not to like? Um, yep. But this is definitely a hard counter to any of the prestige drain decks. A lot of those decks really get you by one or two at a time. So even, even having that one extra that you get per turn can be the difference in holding that off. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's best if you play it turn one, but I still think, you know, turn you, you do have to kind of judge how long is the game going to go. But I think playing long-term investment for two, um, sort of more in the middle of the game is still worth it. Obviously, once once there's only a few turns left, you know, it's it's not worth it. Just use it for something else. Discard it. But um, yeah, I mean, discard to heal. That, that's always a valid yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely always look out for if, if you really need to play this card later or is it worth it to just get uh, one heal on someone? A lot of times I think the one heal is going to work out if you're not sure. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So um, do you have any uh, yeah any closing thoughts on the Venture starter deck? Um, I mean, like, so like I said, I, I'm, I'm very upfront. This, they, they've been my favorite so far. I played them a lot in Season Zero because I just, I played them once and liked them, so... Um, I really like this deck. It's definitely, I would say, out of the core, it's the closest thing to a control deck um, that Vampires yeah. has. I, I don't, I don't think it's a control deck. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I want to be clear, but I think it's the, it's kind of the closest thing Vampires has, especially in the core set, to a control deck. Yeah, it, the bones are there. Probably needs a little bit down the line, but you can definitely get the feeling that that's that's where the playstyle for this clan wants to be. Yep. All right, so let's talk about Malkavians. The kind of yeah. enigma throughout the whole se- season. <laughs> Everyone's yeah, trying to figure out: are they <laughs> are they good? Can they be good? Are they just bad? Or is no one just playing them? I think it was mainly no one was playing them. Uh, yes, they were. They were the least played. I think it's. I mean, they By have <laughs> decent margin. Right. They result. <laughs> they they sort of are built around a mechanic that feels very intended for multiplayer games right conspiracy yeah. so mm-hmm. again sort of like we do with titles i think the first thing we should do 
is talk through conspiracies because they are yep. a little complicated. Yep, go for it. So, uh, conspiracies, they're a card type. It's an action. Um, you exhaust uh, a vampire, like normal. To play it, it goes face down, and you put a prestige from your personal supply on top of it. Um, and then you can, uh, so in, in, in multiplayer, you can show it to any number of other players, and they have the chance to put a prestige on it as well. Um, and then for yourself on any future turns, you can, you can put another prestige on it. You can only, you can't do that on the very first turn you play it. So you can only put one, um, from that. Uh, but you can play if you have, if you have cards or certain cards that let you put prestige on them, you can, you can do those the turn you play it. Um, so once you have every conspiracy has a, a varying amount of prestige, it needs to, to be able to trigger. Um, from two to four, I think, is, is the ones we have so far. Yep. And uh, so once it has that much prestige, you can, during your turn, during your action phase, trigger it. It's not an action, but it's you have to do it during your action phase. That's that's important. So you cannot trigger it on somebody else's turn, um, you know, or anything like that. It has to be during your turn. So when you trigger it, you flip it over. Uh, it has an effect... And they pretty much all say, you know, do whatever to a player that did not contribute. So if somebody else has prestige on the um, on the conspiracy, they're immune to the effect, right? So that's where in multiplayer, you can kind of say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm playing this. Um, do you want to contribute so that A, you're safe from it and B, it gets us one closer to to using it on on one of your opponents, right? Um, in one v one, obviously, none of that exists. It's just build up prestige on it and then resolve it. Uh, I'm actually checking right now because I'm wondering. I think you still technically have the option to show the other person in one v one if you wanted to. Not saying that there is a reason to right now. I'm just curious. Uh, Yeah, so it says you may reveal it to any number of foes. So maybe there will be a time in the future where you want to show the conspiracy for some reason. But yeah, it's not just a multiplayer only thing. You can reveal it to the person if you want to. Right. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a reason to do that. If they have any sort of abilities that steal prestige on cards, maybe... I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but that could be something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely, that's a good point. Um, As of right now, no use, but could certainly come up in the future. Um, So again, uh, so to to sort of set the stage for this whole uh, talk about this deck, right? Most of what we're saying, because most of our experience is going to be 1v1. In multiplayer, I think that they're, going to get significantly better and Malkavian is going to be the deck for if you like to sort of you know insert yourself in if you like to kind of cause chaos among other players um this is the deck to play and I already know some people I've played with who like can't wait because you know they they mostly want to play multiplayer and they're super excited to play Malkavian so I think there will be 
of of all the of all the the decks we talked about so far, I think Malkavian will have the strongest sort of. I I kind of not only play Malkavian, but like that's my main focus. That's the main stuff I play. Yeah, and it's interesting to think too because um, conspiracies themselves aren't an, an inherent Malkavian thing, but Malkavians definitely have a lot of abilities that will place prestige on cards. So there may be something down the line where conspiracies might be worthwhile for other clans and Malkavians just make better use of them. Um, I don't know. We'll find out, I'm sure. But I like conspiracies and what they do for Malkavians, especially in multiplayer, because the the way conspiracies are set up just as a rules framework, they're the ones to take advantage of trying to make any sort of deals because they're the ones that can offer this effect to someone else if they want to contribute. Um, so yeah, yeah they're definitely really, the ones that really are, point. they're the ones that are poised to make their influence known at a multiplayer table. Yeah. Cause you could say, you know, Hey, if you contribute uh, a prestige to this, I will use it on your rival. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can make deals like that and, and it's just an extra little incentive. So that's, that's yeah. definitely a good point. Yeah. Um, so, so let's, yeah, that, let's do the. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna go say ahead. yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk about so their uh, their haven. Yeah, yeah. So their haven is the madhouse. Secrecy one, uh, leader ability: exhaust your leader, discard one card, add one prestige from the general supply to a face card. Yeah, face down card you control. Uh, another thing to know, rules wise. Um, does matter where things come from with the general supply and your personal supply because your general supply is a finite resource. Yes. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean like in some games where the general supply is a technically unlimited wealth of tokens that just keep coming as long as you can keep pulling them. Your general supply is a finite amount that is whatever's left from your setup amount. Yep. Also, though, right, your general supply, if it, if it gets depleted, you don't lose. Um, yeah, yeah, so, that's not, yeah, yeah, but, but, not like uh, L5R or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but like you said, it, it is very important to know if you somehow happen to not have any prestige in your general supply, you couldn't trigger the ability. Also, right, this is not an action. Um, it's obviously it's something you have to do in your action phase. It's kind of costly, exhausting your leader and discarding a card. But... It's basically a free prestige, so you know it. It, it can be worth it. In, in my again, couple of games, it's not something I necessarily did every turn, but when you want to, uh, when you need it, it's real nice to have. And like, kind of like I mentioned earlier, it's it's a way to get a second prestige on a on a conspiracy the turn you play it, which can be important. Yeah, I definitely think you're not, this isn't something you're looking to remind yourself to use every turn. It's not something that uh, it's like, you know, exhaust your leader, discard a card, gain one money or anything like that. It's definitely, I, I see it as something is you're going to use it right when something is able to be triggered. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a pick and choose uh, ability. Yep. Uh, all right. So agenda, the end is nigh card text is the first time you resolve a conspiracy during each of your turns gain one prestige and two agenda yeah um yeah that's uh, another kind of timing thing just make sure you're not doing this on every conspiracy you resolve on your turn if you happen to get lucky and are you know 
popping off a couple times a turn. It's only the first time. Right. So yeah, that's that. So clearly, it's it's wanting you to essentially set up to every every turn you pop a conspiracy. Also, I think it's interesting. This is, I think, the only agenda we have so far that gives you prestige as well. That, so I'm not 100 sure to confirm, but that sounds right. Sounds it sounds <laughs> like it could be right, right? <laughs> Those are words that do make sense in the game. Yeah. Um. um but but that's also important so that it, it kind of makes paying a prestige feel a little bit better because you're going to get it back, right? So right. so essentially what it does is every prest you know that that first prestige you have to put on a on a conspiracy when you resolve it you do get it back obviously not right away because usually you're you're playing it one turn and resolving it on a future turn but uh, it, it does help that cost that that kind of income uh, thing a little bit. Yeah, if you use if you use the madhouse like I mentioned, only using it to when you can trigger it, you're just you're essentially just discarding a card to trigger a conspiracy. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, go. Uh, why don't you take over for doing some of the vampires? All right. So, Govna, the leader, uh, notably the only core set leader with five BP. They do not have a six BP vampire. Correct. Um, he has one physical, one social, and one mental. Aspects and dominate. And his ability is draw one card when you car- play a card face down outside of an attack. So he does not trigger on attack cards. He does not trigger on reaction cards. But he he triggers on conspiracies. And he triggers if you would play a influence modifier during a scheme. Correct. And just a scheme because any other influence modifier on something like attaching a title, uh, since that isn't interactable with other players, that just goes straight face up. Yes. Um, Yeah, so he's pretty solid. He's a decent leader because you want to play those conspiracies and he helps you draw more cards. Always good. Yep. Um... Let's see, the next one is Velvet for Blood Potency. Uh, zero physical, one social, one mental. Auspex and Obfuscate. Uh, ability is gain one prestige when you resolve a face down card outside of an attack. Yep. She's, to, to me, they're almost a pair. Um, right. Yep. You, you basically need both of them in play to win your game. Yeah, these two are your main engine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think, again, playing the corset, what you want to do, you want to do everything you can to get Velvet out as soon as you can and keep her alive. Um, I think Govna is important early, and then once you shift to the mid and late game, you Velvet is your most important vampire. I actually saw a game, I don't think it was one I played in, but I did see a game where someone started Velvet and then paid for Govna later. Hmm. So I wonder if we ever see any instances of that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I would I would definitely be a little scared of getting her knocked out because she's only 4 BP. So if you're up against Bruja, <laughs> maybe yeah, don't. Yeah, that could be a sketchy one. That, but, <laughs> but I mean, I get it. She's, she's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so next we have Bad Penny who is four, uh, zero physical, zero social, and two mental. She's four BP, not four so physical, just to be clear. <laughs> um, she's got double obfuscate, 
and she has our first torpor ability. So that is uh, normally, right, when a vampire's in torpor, their text is totally blank, except if it specifically calls out torpor, like hers does. Uh, so hers is at the end of your turn, add one blood from the general supply to this character. So she basically heals uh, double when she's in torpor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the play with her, I think I'm thinking this right, the play with her to get her out in one turn is so she goes into torpor, gets one added to her right away. And then you can mend. Well, no, I guess maybe I'm thinking of that wrong because that's only three, right? No, she does. Yeah, so so she'll she'll mend just like a three cost. If you mend her, she'll come back out, right? Because she Got she it. goes into yeah. torpor, has one, will mend two naturally, and then you discard a card for the fourth. And that's what it is. Right okay, yeah. Away. Math is hard. So yeah. yeah, that's the the play I've seen with her a bunch. Um, yeah, she's your blocker that just can come back every turn. Yep, and she's got two mental, and and Malkavian has several mental attacks, so she can be she can be good for that as well. Mm-hmm. And they have a couple obfuscate triggers, so they having do. that double uh, double discipline will come into play later. Okay, uh, this guy a lot of people are talking about inmate number seven four five nine four three four blood potency, two physical, zero social and mental. Dominate, obfuscate, and attacker. Pay one prestige. This attack deals plus two damage to the targets. That's a lot of damage. <laughs> Again, that's, that's, why that's damage. four. Yep. Um, you're paying a prestige, but on a four cost, you know, swinging for four, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he also can, uh, you know, he himself is kind of an aggro piece, but he has... Both, uh, well, he has one obfuscate, which kind of helps with the Malkavian uh, reactions, but the two physicals, so he can hold off some attacks, you know, all on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, physical ones, obviously. But yeah, he he is just an all-around solid good card. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I will cover Street Preacher so that you can get your little, your little guards in. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's my so thing. Preacher, yeah, it is. So Street Preacher, <laughs> Preacher is the only, I think, 2BP vampire out of the core decks. There are a few more in the core set, but mm-hmm. out of the starting decks. 2BP, no physical, no social, one mental. Uh, he's got Auspex, and he is Relentless, which means he can trigger his ability during anybody's turn. Uh, if ready, pay one prestige, move to the streets, and block an attack against any target in the streets. So, kind of weird. That does mean you can block attacks against citizens or sad or whatever. Um, I I don't know how often you're going to do that, but it's a thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it would be a pain for Toreador. Uh, it's not. It wouldn't be terribly hard for them to remove him first if they needed to, but if they're one point away from you know getting that last agenda from capturing a citizen and this guy's out you know you could potentially stop that if that's like their last turn of the you know he's very situational yeah uh, there there's gonna be some you know uh hail mary play that he's gonna win someone's game somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah i think in the in the core deck uh, i just he's never bad and again as 2bp you can almost just throw him out there um you know it's hardly cost anything but i don't know i 
I think somebody somebody will figure out how to make a good use of him <laughs> eventually. But yeah, I, I think he's got he's got the potential. Uh, okay, so the the two guards. First one is Karma, three blood potency, zero physical, zero social, two mental, aspects, uh, and with the guard keyword. And opposite is Lolita. Same three blood potency, but physical and social one, mental zero, with dominates. Yep. Um, yeah, the it's your your typical guard. The guards. Yep. All right, now let's get to some of these kind of uh, crazy cards that do crazy things. Yes. So, um, talking about conspiracies, I feel like we should talk about the. The conspiracy I wanted to highlight. So they have they have plenty of conspiracies in the in the deck. Um, several of them, particularly, kind of they're all tied up. Their their special conspiracy is better in multiplayer, but in single player, I wanted to highlight uh, destroy the plans because I think it's a card that does not always seem that impressive when you first look at it, but is actually incredibly strong. Um, so that is. It's a conspiracy, so play it face down, put a prestige on it. If it needs three prestige to trigger, and the triggering effect is a target foe who did not contribute discards three cards. So that can be very, very good because you are in the core deck typically, you know, hanging out at home. You're not necessarily venturing out, and so forcing your opponent to discard cards to attack you and then discard three more cards, you know, like I've had a couple games where it just, they just don't have enough cards to, to really f- press the attack because they only had two cards in their hand, you know, after I resolved this. So I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> That's interesting because me looking at this, my first thoughts was, okay, you're discarding three, but you're going to get two right back. So it's prime, right? You're only losing one card. So that's interesting that you've had some success to a point with it. So I, I, I'm guessing this is just one of those cards that you really want to have trigger at like the perfect time to make it hit. Right. And, and triggering it, it's a good thing to trigger early because obviously, you know, if you get, and, and it also, I think is, is a little bit matchup dependent too, right? Like if you're playing against Ventru, like we kind of talked about, uh, I think Ventru is naturally going to have a big hand because they're sitting back, not playing a lot of cards, mm-hmm. um, and they're, they're not digging, trying to attack you. for their title, so they're going to be drawn. Right. And so it's not necessarily going to be great against them, but against against aggressive decks, um, I think it can be pretty pretty good, especially if you trigger it early, right? When they have you know seven or eight cards, I mean, sure they still have five, but again, if they're going to attack you. Um, twice at your home, that's two cards for Intel and then two attack cards. Well, now they're only down to one card, right? So yeah. you're forcing them to and, make a choice. Right. And and that's what I mean by I think that it it doesn't necessarily seem that strong, but it actually ends up blunting the attack because and, and even then, like so they could still hit you for you know two strong attacks, but then they only have one card. And so if you if they didn't knock you out. You know, you might be able to come back, and then in a, in two turns, they may or may not have have the pieces they need to to do the same thing again. So, mm-hmm. um, like I said, that's why I wanted to highlight it. I think it's I think it's pretty pretty good. All right, yeah, I'm a believer. <laughs> um, yeah, 
because and and kind of like I so I kind of had your attitude at first, right? And then and then seeing it in action made me upgrade how good I think it is. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's all it takes for some cards to just go. Ah, is this really good? All it needs is a couple couple reps, and then you can totally see how a card would be uh, useful. Right. Um, I just wanted to mention you, you mentioned how they have uh, a lot of conspiracies in the starter deck. They have thirteen conspiracies Ooh. in the starter deck. So that yeah, is more than a quarter of your deck. <laughs> yeah, so you you do you do see them um, easily, which is you know can be nice, can be uh, <laughs> annoying sometimes. But mm-hmm. uh, okay, I'll go over. Everything is connected. It's an action, and it's uh, if you have aspects in your coterie, and that's just blanket. If you have it, binary yes or no. It's not counting how many you have. Uh, add one prestige from the general supply to each face down card you control. So this is the force multiplier, essentially, for the conspiracies. You're going to want to play this when you have probably at least two or three outs. Um, and you, it, it's just kind of the snowball engine to yep. get these rolling. Yeah, it feels real good to play this for three um, I think it's still pretty decent at two. So and, and so, in, again, my couple of games, right? I'm not. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I basically I spent the first couple turns kind of setting up, playing, playing a conspiracy, um, getting them out, not necessarily triggering them to set up for that turn. You know, four or five or three, four, five. Everything is connected to sort of set me up for like three or three or four turns in a row of just triggering one conspiracy a turn, um, and so that's. I think everything is connected is is super key to, especially in one v one, how they kind of want to play. Because if you had to, if you have to put prestige on normally, you're just you're gonna run out of money. You're gonna run out of prestige. Yeah, run out of money and run out of time. Yeah, yep. without without a way to add this, uh, not only to one a piece, but to more than one at a time, you're 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 almost putting yourself on a clock with how quickly you can get these done. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're looking for aspects, and there are four instances of that in the starter vampires. Um, and it's four, one per vampire. So you have four vampires that, you know, as long as you see one of those, you can trigger this. Yep. Including both of your, you know, your important ones. So, I mean, if you, yes. if you don't have Govna and Velvet out, uh, you're probably not going to. You're, you're in a bad spot. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Yeah, you want to go over Cloak of Shadows? Yeah. So they're two. They have two good defensive cards. We kind of wanted to shout out. Um, so the first one is Cloak of Shadows. It is a ranged and physical reaction, and each character in this party has plus one block for each obfuscate in this party. So two things here, kind of like we we mentioned earlier, right? Those all those obfuscates. This is kind of where they pay off. Um, and secondly, especially in the core deck. This is so far the only real counter. Wow, that's not true. One of two counters to um, Sucker Punch because this gives every character in your party. Um, it also protects against mm-hmm. Molotov cocktails, protects against you know things like that. So it's it's the only defense card we have so far that that adds party block instead of just to the one character playing it. Yeah, not only is it a good sucker punch card, it's a really good ranged defense card. 
Yep. Because as, as we know, there's not a lot of ways to mitigate range damage, but to get plus one for each obfuscate, which the core vampires have four instances of that, uh, potentially having, you know, uh, let's see, the card gives you one. So potentially having an additional two or three, maybe for a ranged attack, that's that's really good. Yep. Uh, and then the last card, uh, the next reaction, uh, Insanity Defense. This is Malkavian um, faction card. Uh, zero blood potency requirements, so anybody can play this, even Street Preacher. Two block, um, non-ranged reaction. Yeah, so every physical, social, every, everything else. Yep. Uh, additional plus one block against mental attacks. Yep. Yep. So you can use this for anything. Gives you instant plus two, and then if it's mental, it's uh, three. So. Yeah. And I think yep. it's that it's that uh, that you can use it against anything. Again, I, th- I think it's the only yes. reaction card so far that that is against anything. So it's so versatile. It's always going to be good. It's always just two block. Yeah. Yeah, very solid, un- unconditional cards. Uh, well, I say that, but the condition is that you have a Malkavian out, which <laughs> if you're using the starter decks, you will have that condition met. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I think that was a really good rundown of the the Malkavian deck. Uh, I think, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you thought they were kind of... I definitely thought they were kind of a weird thing to try to play just looking at the deck list. Uh, so hopefully yep. there's someone out there we helped and, and gave the yeah. spark to try this out. And kind of like I said, I, to me, Malkavian is, uh, if, if you, if you, you'll know if you want to play Malkavian or not, uh, if they, if they seem interesting, go, I would say go for it because I don't think they're great one-on-one, but I do think they are pretty fun. Um, with the conspiracies and stuff. And I, again, I'm really looking forward to seeing them in multiplayer and, and all the shenanigans they get up to. Yeah. And I, I think that goes hand in hand with just the multiplayer format. Um, I'm not saying anything against anyone in particular, but I, I think I have a feel this is my personal preference, but I think one V one is definitely going to be a more competitive focused skill versus skill type format but multiplayer is probably going to be more of your fun format. Like I'm sure there will definitely be competitive events, specifically more multiplayer. I think we've heard that from Renegade directly. Um, But yeah, it's going to be your fun format. And Malkavian is going to be the, the fun faction to play it with. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's one thing I've learned so far is, I mean, again, so I've, I've really enjoyed one-on-one. I like playing one-on-one, but if I was going to sit down, you know, if I'm just going to sit down with a few friends and play some cards, you know, um, over a beer or, or something uh, multiplayer to me is that sort of, Hey, let's just all get together, right. play some cards, talk, you know, kind of have, have fun. Like multiplayer seems like perfect for that. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was just, you know, not that there's like not going to be competitive multiplayer. Cause I think, I think it still holds up for that too. Um, but just, I think that it's also going to have some pretty fun kind of, kind of stuff going on. Definitely. Yeah, what I was going to say is if, if anyone out there is like me, I was very much a, I only care about 1v1, don't talk to me about any other formats. I was like that in L5R, uh, Star Wars LCG, but I got the chance to play even just the, the three-person uh, format, and it's still very fun. So, yeah. Um, and, and, yeah and one thing I, I think is, because the rules are totally built around it, right? 
So it right. doesn't feel, it's not like there's a, oh man, all right, to play multiplayer, we have to add in this whole other set of things. You know, it just, mm-hmm. you just, you're playing the same game. Yeah, I think that's definitely a credit to Matt Hira, the dev. He made this totally fluid. Uh, you can go into either kind of format and the rules are exactly the same. Um, yeah, that was definitely what turned me off of multiplayer for all those other games is that it's it totally changes the entire dynamic of the game and how you play it. So for me, right. I always felt like, well, playing multiplayer is, you know, taking practice time away from playing one V one or something like that. Um, yeah, but I do not think that's the case in this game. Yeah, definitely. So so there we go. So now we've covered uh, all the, the four core decks. Um, and mm-hmm. I think next episode we're going to get into, or next full episode, we're going to get into all the crit pack cards that come in the core set and you can use to customize those decks and, you know, start talking a little more constructed. Yes. Yeah. I'm very excited for that episode. Uh, we can, you know, break free of the chains of the plastic cellophane in the, <laughs> in the core set yes. box. Um, there are a lot of cool cards in the crit packs, so I'm excited yes. to get to those. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, unless you have anything else, I think we're all good to sign off here. Yeah, sounds good. I think, uh, like we said, I think we're gonna try to we're gonna try to put together a sort of mini episode on the announcement of the the first expansion. Um, I mean, again, it'll be it'll be shorter. Yeah, it'll probably. Sort of a... Yeah, it'll it'll be short, and I think you know technically with the way we do these recordings and release, that it'll probably already be out by the time you hear this. Um. If not, then hold me to it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's some of the stuff we got coming in the pipeline. Um, yeah. I posted on you know, Facebook and Twitter if there are any topics that you are in particular interested in or things that you just want us to you know discuss and talk about. Just let us know. Yeah, because yeah, you know we're we're we've got we've got the one more corset episode. We've definitely got some more ideas for episodes, but. Um, Obviously, we'll always welcome more, and we want to we want to talk about what people want to hear about. So, yeah, yep. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll bid good night, and we're gonna have to come up with a closing line eventually. I know. We will. <laughs> uh, I'll just leave it at good night then. Good night. <laughs> Bat. Bat. <laughs>